Dominus Boviscum, Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secondum Lucam. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be enrolled, each to his own town. And Joseph, too, went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, that is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to have her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were shepherds in that region, living in the fields and keeping the night watch over their flock. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were struck with great fear. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the city of David a Savior has been born for you, who is Christ and Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Por aquellos días se promulgó un edicto de César Augusto que ordenaba un censo de todo el imperio. Este primer censo se hizo cuando Querino era gobernador de Siria. Todos iban a empadronarse, cada uno en su propia ciudad. Así es que también José, perteneciente a la casa y familia de David, se dirigió desde la ciudad de Nazaret en Galilea, a la ciudad de David llamada Belén para empadronarse juntamente con María, su esposa, que estaba encinta. Mientras estaban allí, le llegó a María el tiempo de dar a luz y tuvo a su hijo primogénito. Lo envolvió en pañales y le, lo recostó en un pesebre porque... No hubo lugar para ellos en la posada. En aquella región había unos pastores que pasaban la noche en el campo vigilando por turno sus rebaños. Un ángel del Señor se les apareció y la gloria de Dios los envolvió con su luz y se llenaron de temor. El ángel les dijo, no teman, les traigo una buena noticia que causará gran, gran alegría a todo el pueblo. Hoy les ha nacido en la ciudad de David un Salvador, 
que es el Mesías, el Señor. Esto les servirá de señal. Encontrarán al niño envuelto en pañales y recostado en un pesebre. De pronto se le unió al ángel una multitud del ejército celestial que alababa a Dios diciendo, Gloria a Dios en el cielo y en la tierra paz a los hombres de buena voluntad. Verbum Domini And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. In the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit. For the uh, first two Masses, we had um, the Gospel of St. Matthew from the first chapter. It's an interesting Gospel. Um, the... Um, The gospel ended this way. Uh, speaking of St. Joseph, he had no relations with her. He had no relations with Mary until she bore a son and, and he named him Jesus. The, um, I was thinking about uh, a book I'm reading on the Basilica of St. Peter's in Rome. It's called Basilica. It's um, a great read. I would recommend it to you. The last name is Scotty, S-C-O-T-T-I. It's a um, very, um, very engaging book. The, um, uh, about 500 years ago, there was a, a dust-up between the Pope and uh, Galileo. Galileo, very intelligent scientist. Uh, Pope Urban VIII, a very intelligent man. Um, before he was Pope, he had Galileo and other scientists over to his home frequently to discuss, well, everything, including science. So it was really um, one man of learning talking to another. But after Pope Urban became Pope, uh, that's, when, um, that's when things started to get a little um, testy. You see, Galileo is the one who said that Um, uh, the sun doesn't revolve around the earth. We, our planet, uh, revolves around the sun. It's a solar system, right? Uh, the Pope agreed with them. Uh, Pope Urban VIII agreed with them. But he said, listen, this theory of yours, and it wasn't his theory. Others before him had, uh, had come up with it as well. But he popularized it. And the Pope was saying, listen, You need to be considerate of others. So when you, when you get this out there, you can't disturb um, people. You need to get it out in a way that can be easily understood by people. Well, Galileo uh, did it his way, disturbed a lot of people. And people today think that Pope Urban was against science. That's just crazy. Uh, that's just crazy. Um, One of the things that the Pope did was um, he was adding to St. Peter's Basilica. Um, he got a, a great architect, um, Bernini. Um, and Bernini did a lot with the, um, 
with the uh, altar of St. Peter's. You know, right where St. Peter the Apostle was buried, there's the altar right above the tomb. And he built a, he built a, a canopy over, built a canopy over the, the grave. And the canopy goes up eight stories. That's amazing. Four, uh, four supports or four legs, they're made of bronze, and um, they go up eight stories. They don't even go up all the way to the top of the dome. Um, 92 tons of bronze to make that canopy. When, um, when Bernini began this, it took him seven years to complete it. Um, but he had other people helping him. And one of, the, uh, one of the men he had helping him, he had to, he had to do the, the marble at the bottom, the marble base. And it's interesting, he, he uh, carved, uh, well it says here, I've got the book on Kindle because I can never find my books, uh, the actual books. He carved graphic scenes of childbearing and then um, the pain of childbirth. But the last scene that he carved on these bases was that of a smiling baby to emphasize that suffering, suffering is rewarded with joy. Um, that this man um, who um, made such an impact on St. Peter's Basilica was hired by this Pope who had a great love for learning. Most people today don't see it that way. Um, they totally misread Pope Urban VIII. Um, the, uh, the Gospel from St. Matthew, chapter 1, uh, I think that also has been misunderstood. St. Joseph had no relations with Mary until she bore a son, and he named him Jesus. You know, right now, state troopers are all over the place trying to make sure that people get to where they're supposed to get without getting um, into an accident. So many people are drinking and driving. They've got those big signs. You know, buzz drinking is drunk driving. Well, anyway, um, let's pretend there was a man or a woman, 25 years old, pulled over by one of those state troopers. And they went to the judge, and the judge... Um, the judge gave him um, um, a, good, um, a good hearing. The, uh, the judge helped him. And, and this man or this young woman, from that day forward, they never had another drop of alcohol until the day they died. Never had another drop of alcohol until the day they died. So let's say they, they lived to be 85. 85 years old, okay? So they were 25 when it happened. They never had another drop of alcohol until the day they died. Now, the day they died, they had a six-pack. Right after they died. How do you do that? Is that how they keep the bodies preserved? No, of course not. Yeah, he didn't have a, he didn't have a drop to drink until the day he died. And after he died, he had a six-pack. You see... The reason I bring this up is he had no relations. St. Joseph had no relations with Mary until she bore a son. Oh, see, there's a problem here. Um, 
I, I fall into this problem. I bet you do too. We're all experts. Um, we're all experts on stuff that we've never studied or not studied enough. You know, how many people say that they're an expert in the Bible? Yeah, sure. I study the Bible all the time. During a commercial, I put it on mute and I study the Bible. Well, you must be an expert. Um, you know what we do with experts, don't you know? I mean, most men and women who are experts, so-called, we usually elect them to public office. <laughs> I mean, there are exceptions. The, uh, but no, no. The, um, to, to misread the Bible um, is easy. Well, it's like what I just mentioned at the beginning of Mass. Please turn off your cell phones. How many times at a funeral do I say the same thing? And I hope like tonight we have people here. I hope there are people here who are non-Catholic. You're most welcome. The, um, but every time I say um, at a funeral, please turn off your cell phones. Oh, by the way, the same way you look at those photos on your cell phone, you know, of your kids and your grandkids, the same way you look at those images on your phone, that's the same way we look at these statues. And I, I get told again and again, I thought y'all adored statues. You know, in 1994, the Catechism of the Catholic Church came out. It's online. It's free to read online. Just go ahead and knock yourself out. Find where it says in there that Catholics adore statues. We don't. But, you know, I think some of you with your grandkids, I think you adore your grandkids. You need to stop that. Right? No, we adore only God alone. It was last week in Las Vegas. There were some, some men going through church during Mass. And they misunderstood this. Later on, you can Google Las Vegas. And um, they were going through church saying, uh, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no strange gods before me. You know, there's another commandment. You know, there are ten of those, you know. There's another commandment that says, you know, you shall not bear false witness. So going around saying that Catholics worship statues when we don't, or St. Joseph had relations with Mary, well, you know what? We don't know. But you can't prove it. You can't prove it one way or the other. You can't prove it with St. Matthew's Gospel. He had no relations with her until she bore a son. And he named him Jesus. Yeah, that's the problem. We're experts on things that we don't really study. Um, the, um, um, the center of our lives have to be Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus is compared to the sun. I don't know if you can see it back there on the wall, but up there on the back wall you see the baby Jesus, and beside him, besi behind him, you see a sun. See, he has to be the reason I make every decision, or every thought, or whatever it is. Um, but I'm stubborn. I mean, I've told you before, but between these two ears, there's nothing but cement, just pure cement between those two ears. Um, yeah, I'm an expert. I'm an expert on 
not making him the center of my life. I'm the center of my life. Um, I bet you fall into that too. It's, it's very common. I think it's more common than the common cold. And it's so easy. It's so easy to think that we can take things that are, are um, um, uh, problems and, well, it can't be that hard. I, I bet I could figure that out. Yeah, like uh, um, Galileo and Pope Urban or this um, Gospel of St. Matthew um, or so many other things. Friends, um, we, we have a chance tonight to start over. <laughs> How many times I've heard people say, you know, uh, I was telling a friend of mine at work the other day that I've really changed a lot. I've done a real 360. It's like, oh, really, huh? <laughs> yeah, you've really changed. Maybe go back to do geometry over again, right? You mean you did a real 180? Oh, oh, what? Exactly. Exactly. I did a real 360. That's what I do all the time. I'm just back where I started. The, um, we got a chance to start over tonight and make Jesus the center of every decision that I'm going to make today over the next 24 hours. You can give it a try too. We ought to encourage each other. Well, I think I want to do this. Well, I think I want to do that. What would Jesus do? There. There we go. That's how we make him the center of our lives. Uh, we don't have to go around and disturb other people. Um, Galileo did that. Yeah, he was right. And he caused a lot of trouble the way he got the story out. The Pope was actually correct. Um, he was saying, you know, get out your... Get out your message, but do it in a way that it's not going to hurt people. Um, Galileo uh, didn't want to hear that. It reminds me of me. The, um, uh, to, to recognize that a child was born, um, like on the, in St. Peter's Basilica, the graphic scenes of childbearing, the suffering of childbearing, um, ending in a smiling face of a baby. It's kind of the opposite of this. I mean, right? Jesus starts out as a smiling baby, and this is why he came. He came to suffer. All this business about um, all this business about that history at the beginning. You know, uh, Caesar Augustus was emperor at the time, and so many years from Moses leading the people, the chosen people, out of Egypt, and What's all this history about? Well, God entered time. He entered time in a specific moment. And he did so that he could so that he could grow and nine months later be born and then grow up and and offer himself on the cross for me and for you, for our sins. At St. Peter's Basilica, that big canopy that weighs ninety two tons, it goes up eight stories. It's to serve as a canopy over the altar there at St. Peter's. In all of St. Peter's, the most, uh, the most um, undecorated item in the whole place is the altar. It's very simple. The altar is where 
the priest, or in the case of St. Peter's, a bishop, um, says the words that Jesus said at the Last Supper, and the bread and wine become the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. Truly. You know, um, uh, over the years, people get that wrong. Some people say it's a symbol. We believe it really is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Jesus gives himself to me as food, um, like bread from heaven fell for 40 years in the desert. And they had, they had water to drink every day. Uh, a lot of people don't realize it, but when they go up to receive Holy Communion, they're making a, a, a private statement and they're making a public statement. The, the public statement is this. I believe and I'm, I'm trying to live everything that Jesus teaches me through the Catholic Church. How many times I've told that to people who are not Catholic and they say, well, I don't believe that. Yeah, that's why you shouldn't go to communion. Right? The, um, as Catholics, we believe it really is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. See, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. Jesus, Jesus at the Last Supper gave us um, the bread and wine after he had prayed over it. Um, and he said, take this and eat. This is my body. Take this and drink. This is my blood. He wants us to turn back to him so he can make us stronger. So, um, so we can um, rejoice with him one day for all eternity in heaven. Um, it's so easy. It's so easy to be sidetracked um, by getting it wrong. I do it every day. I've been here 12 years. If you've been here with me, boy, you've seen how many times I've gotten it wrong. Um, Jesus, however, at the center of my life, gives me hope and gives you hope. Um, use this moment um, as a first moment to go forward. Uh, forget your past, um, but focus on going forward with Jesus from this moment forward with him at the center. Um, when we receive him in Holy Communion, he actually becomes um, food for our journey. You can't get any closer than that. Um, this is what the angels were telling the, uh, the shepherds. You can't get any lower than the shepherds. They were out in the middle of the fields with their flocks. Um, if, you look up the word, if you look up the word nobody in the dictionary, right next to my picture, the shepherds. Yeah, they're nobodies. And the angels appear to these nobodies because there is no such thing as nobody when it comes to Jesus. Um, he was born into time so that he could grow and teach us and, and die for us so that he could rise and lead us all the way to heaven. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. In the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit.